Are you looking for an acreage, hunting property, or farmland in Nebraska? If so, Tyler Johnson with Nebraska Realty specializes in residential and land sales and is ready to help you find your next property. If you're looking to sell, he has a marketing package to make sure your property gets maximum exposure that results in top dollar for your property. He can also provide you access to a 100% online auction platform through their partnership with auctiontime.com. If you want to find your outdoor dream, give him a call today. We'll link his contact information with this episode. You can also find him at RealtorTylerJohnson.com. Welcome to NBNR, the authority on unfiltered opinions and authentic player insight for Nebraska athletics. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and at NBNRPodcast.com. We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Utter. He's a junkyard dog. Hey, Kenny Bell ran up to me he's like, you know what you just, what you just <laughs> did? You get mad. We can go get in the portal and go to another podcast. You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> got it, Muhammad. G-B-R. Kyle, beautiful. I am sick, fellas. I am sick. I feel terrible. I sound terrible. You look terrible. Look. Especially that one. So yeah. that's why Connor's not sitting next to me this yeah. week. You put him over here. Yeah, I don't want to be anywhere near him. <laughs> I'm coughing in the mics. Hopefully you guys don't have to use this one next week. <laughs> when you say coughing in the mics, you mean the microphone, correct? Right. Okay. Are you coughing on me? This guy. Right in his mouth. Hat. Right in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> go Big Red indeed. No block, no rock. Season three, episode 31? 32. 32. 32. Sorry, Brandon Jackson. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, guys. Um, Coming at you. From the Nebraska Brewing Company Tap Room in La Vista, Nebraska, 68128 is the zip. Don't get it twisted. I myself am drinking what is called the, uh, what is it? Squeeze the day. Squeeze the day. Yeah. A nice little lemon Rattler. Yes, sir. Correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. And me being that I don't feel very well, like, I don't know, I just feel like that lemon is... It, it's a little zesty. Yeah, makes me feel makes me feel better. You yeah, know? Cl- clear it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, all that phlegm is just kind of getting disintegrated. The, the through citrus the is. Yeah, I'm really making it happen. Appreciate you. Good old phlegm. You know, good ABV, <laughs> good medicinal. Yeah, and if you're yeah. from the FDA and you're listening, I am not saying that it has you know medical effects. But if you're not from the FDA and you're listening, I am. Oh, it's yeah. A, <laughs> it, it is. Everything. It's almost like a medicine. If you drink enough of them, you won't feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> You'll it's never funny. have another headache. We Ever have, again. We have a beer on tap. It's called Hop God. That it is a running joke in the brewery. We call it the Hop God Cure All. Like if you feel if you feel like shit, you feel sick in any way, go drink a Hop God. You, you need in take, like thirty minutes, you're gonna feel just fine. Yeah, yeah. you need to take a little nappy nappy. You have a few of those. You'll, yeah, you'll be just fine. <laughs> All right, KB Kyle Byers, what you got? I am also drinking the squeeze. Yeah, squeeze good. that day. Squeeze it's good stuff. Day. We tried it for the first time at the the tailgate for the Illinois game, and I've been hooked ever since. It's either Taco Vesa or the squeeze. Used to be Lemon Rattler, but yeah, mm-hmm. squeeze yeah. now. Kyle yeah. likes to be squeezed. New name, yep. new logo. Squeeze me, please. Or feed him tacos. <laughs> right. Mike, what are you drinking? I am drinking the Prickleberry. I kind of go back and forth between that, the Hefeweizen, the Eos. Um, I do like Taco Vesa every now and then, but I, I try to mix it up every week, See? unlike the guy next to me to the right. Hey, what are hey, you drinking? I did drink a different beer last week. Barely. I did it, and nobody even brought it up. Last week, <gasps> I did drink a cold beer, our cream ale. Uh, this week, I don't want to shock anybody to start the episode. I am drinking a Pilsner. Just it's listen. All reliable. Don't don't freak us out, okay? The, the cold beer was enough. That's why we didn't say anything, because we're like, whoa. Wait, I could see you guys were sweating bullets. Yeah, like there was something wrong with me. 
Yeah, we didn't know who you were. Who is this guy? <laughs> this imposter. All right. Now that we talked about the beers that we're drinking at Nebraska Brewing Company, we do have a fairly special guest coming on the NBNR podcast. Um, he's going to join us very shortly. A lot of Husker fans should know this name. If you don't, then check yourself. <laughs> Google's free. <laughs> Google is free. One of the, I would say one of the most popular Huskers, especially of the modern era. He was kind of a part of an era where a lot of people don't like to talk about it, right? It's kind of shoved underneath Lost the Lost in the ages. Yeah. Cody Glenn, former running back turned linebacker, played in the NFL, slightly more than a cup of coffee in the NFL. So we're going to have him on in a few. But before we introduce him, let's talk about some recent Husker development, shall we? Uh -huh. Yes, let's do it. So today it was announced that Nick Gates – Former Husker O-lineman. And teammate of us in the bowling alley. For, yeah. For yes. <laughs> yeah. Shout out we, Nick. Yeah, shout we out just, Nick. We just saw him uh, two weeks ago at the bowling alley. Looked in shape. Looked good. Looked great. A and guy that if you're in the way of his bowling ball, your, your head's getting knocked off. You're Dude, going to die. I, I swear to God, it looked like he was going to hit the roof with that ball every the, time. And then like he'd the wait. It was like, right there. He was averaging like 23 miles an hour every throw. It was nuts. It was yeah. insane how fast. And I've then, never seen somebody throw a bowling ball that hard. If, just, if, it was, if it was anywhere in the middle of those pins, it, it was just, just like an up. explosion. And then there's me and Kyle averaging like 14, 15. Oh, yeah. I was, I was <laughs> looking 12. real big. You throw, guys. Throwing a real tough 12-pound ball. Yeah, like exactly. Like <laughs> teddy bears over there. Yeah. Hey, we, we, we still wrecked everybody. I'm going to run the lane. Uh, Kyle more than me, but yeah. Well, we still haven't said what Nick Gates did. Yeah, we, uh, we should get into that. <laughs> so he is now going to Washington to play for the Commanders. Uh, congrats to him. Um, I don't know exactly how many years is it? Three-year deal. Three-year deal? Yep. Mon monetary amount announced as well? Or no? It, it was... Uh, if, if you don't know, it's okay. No, I mean, I have it right here. I right. have it. I have it right here. Google it. Give me two seconds. It's what? Mike's Shut background. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Oh, hold on. Uh, oh, I don't have it. We were in the presence of, of a millionaire, probably. So, whatever. Oh, lots of lots of millions. Multiple okay. millions. What you got? Uh, Three-year deal worth uh, $16.5 with a max value of $18 million. He gets eight million guaranteed. You know any bowling balls you can buy Damn with eight Nick. million dollars? <laughs> Damn, Nick! And he's hey, listen. He said that he would come on the No Block No Rock podcast. Yes. So now that he's some rich motherfucker, he's gonna be buying around a beers. That's for damn Hell sure. Yeah, he's paying for his beers. He doesn't get them for free. <laughs> In case you were wondering, that's fifty-seven thousand one hundred and forty-two bowling balls at their average price. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some man never he can like, just throw a ball and just leave it. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't Fuck that ball. Just bring a new ball for every frame. Yes. <laughs> um, another thing was I don't think it's a huge surprise, but um, Bellevue West quarterback Daniel Kalen announced that he is going to Missouri Boo. to play for the Tigers. Aliyah Drinkwitz and the Mizzou Tigers. What? Well, and historically, Mizzou has been super relevant. Well, so. look, I mean, probably more relevant than Nebraska. Okay. <laughs> but, well, look, uh, hey, leave us alone. I can't hate him. I can't hit him for the choice. Like, no. you can't You can't be like, hey, hold out until Dylan decides. Well, yeah. I mean, how are you going to compete with Dylan Riola? Okay, yeah. here's my thing. Like, he committed to Missouri. But one, if we're out of the Dylan sweepstakes, I have a feeling that maybe that door isn't totally closed Ooh. yet. We do have 
you know, we, we do live in the same state as him. It, it's not very hard to get a hold of him. I hope he doesn't like full like Zane Flores us, but. Well, and we also, we deserve to get ghosted by Zane Flores. I was yeah, going to say, 100%. can you blame Zane Flores at all? No. No. And like, you can't say like Matt Rule. You can't say Matt Rule didn't try. Like, well, he also has to go for Dylan Raiola. Because if he didn't, then people would criticize him for that. Yeah. But that being said, let us welcome on. Cody Glenn. Hello, sir. How the heck are you? I'm doing well. How y'all doing? Doing all right. Living the dream. You sound good. What you get? Got your Husker sweatshirt on or what? What is that? Woo. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I got my Nebraska shirt on here. Looks it's good. It's a little chilly down here in Texas. What? Yeah, right. Chilly? How cold is it? Uh, it is 66 degrees. Oh, oh poor baby. I would kill for 66 <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm spoiled. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's supposed well, to be 80 degrees in a couple of days. Oh, poor, you poor thing. 80 <laughs> degrees. God, that sounds hey, if that If it tells you anything how we're feeling around here, it was like 45 degrees this past weekend or whatever, and it was like golfing weather. We were out there in shorts. shorts and- I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, less yeah. than 30 40 today. degrees here, everything shuts down. Right. Oh, it's crazy. You, yeah, your power lines <laughs> get frozen and they like blow up or some sh- stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happened to me. That, that, Did it really? Does. Our pipes froze. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Them pipes are, are yeah, weak down in Texas. I was like, man, if this was Nebraska, I'd be outside in shorts. And every, here, everybody shut down. The roads, the school shut down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was crazy. All right. Well, look, uh, being that you are in Texas, I think our first question to you is, I think it'll match up pretty well with this, but a big thing with new coach Matt Rule is it seems like his staff is focusing more on Texas than previous staffs before him. You know, whether it's you could attribute that to many things, the change in the conference and all that stuff. Um, if you could just kind of tell us your first impressions of Matt Rule, the kind of inroads and relationships that he's building in Texas, ones that he's built since he's at Baylor. Um, just get into that a little bit if you could. Um, I think what they're doing right now, they're doing a really great job of understanding how important recruiting Texas is and with the relationships that they built over the years when he was at Baylor and then with Dr. Elza, Elza there. Um, I mean, she's a, she's a key part of this whole recruiting Texas process uh, just because of her background and who she is. And they've made it really important to come to Texas you know, make people realize, you know, what Nebraska is, what we have to offer, why it's a special place, and to get those kids there. And just like with me, if you get them on campus, you got a chance. So just trying to get those kids there. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Texas, and I, th- I think you would agree with this, isn't there just a specific, like, type of player that comes from Texas versus, like, you know, we could talk shit about California and how they're, you know – soft and all that, but isn't there just a different type of player that comes from that state, would you say? Oh, oh absolutely. We built different down here. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> all right. uh, you know, we tell everybody is, and it's hard to, you know, really explain it until you've been here, you've lived it. You know, that Friday night light stuff is real, you know, like they shut the town down. If you ever want to rob the town, go at night when there was a football game going on. Right. Like you grow up watching those guys, uh, on Friday nights, idolizing those guys playing football in the in the back of the stands, you know, tackle football, getting your school clothes dirty, 
and then you finally understand it more and you go watch the game actually and then you finally get to put that uniform on and it means it means a lot you know it, it means just like you know that kid that's in you know north platte nebraska somewhere actually get to suit up for nebraska that's what it's like to suit up for our high school teams wow. so that's how important wow. it is yeah you know so that's why it's such a big thing so coming out of rust texas you had a phenomenal high school career was there really kind of was there any shock when you got to nebraska and you started playing for the huskers or did it kind of feel normal were you used to that kind of pressure um I think it was kind of normal as far as the football aspect of it, just because, you know, growing up in a small town and, you know, being the only, you know, D1 uh, talent that we had on that uh, football team, that was pressure every night for us to be successful uh, was dependent on my play. So I felt that pressure every single night playing in high school. Um, and then going to Nebraska and just, you know, the welcome I got and just, you know, understanding Nebraska football, I think more of the pressure at Nebraska was, you know, doing it for the fans, making the fans proud by everything that they've given us. So that was the most pressure there. Uh, one of our commenters says, hot take from Novak Nurok, California players are soft, LOL. What? <laughs> they, well, they must not watch hey. the same type of football. Go watch the Pac-12 and go watch the SEC and the Big Ten play football. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, big difference. Big difference. Yeah, I mean, it's not just us. Cody Glenn is saying this too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Former, yeah, exactly. former, former NFL guy. Okay. It's not like he's clueless. He knows his stuff. His stuff. <laughs> so, Cody, you know, no, no, it's, it's definitely true. I mean, not to say they all saw, but I remember, you know, coming into Nebraska, you know, meeting all these guys from different places and some of the guys that came from Nebraska, uh, came from California. I was like, um, man, what was y'all weight program like? I was like, what? We oh. never lifted weights in high school. Oh, God. <laughs> that, was just, like, that was just unheard of for me. I've been lifting weights since I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Clearly. That might explain it some. <laughs> so I, I love your, your Twitter bio that says that you're uh, your mother's favorite player. You're a former Nebraska black shirt and an eye back. Mm. Uh, yes, sir. and and the the tweet you pinned and that was the that's when I reached out to you is when you when you tweeted about uh, that Nebraska was uh, you were excited about the future with uh, Nebraska football and uh, you're going back showing your kids that you are not a human jungle gym you were actually a baller right <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, they would argue with you but yes <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to so I have a nine month old at home and I'm starting to understand the human jungle gym she's just starting to crawl but now she's like. She's getting adventurous by like pulling up on me and trying to crawl on top of my head and on my back. And she's so, getting the grip. Yes. And she's only like 18 pounds. So <laughs> I know oh, I got yeah. a long ways to no, go, I, but. Oh yeah. It's crazy. I got uh, my youngest is uh, 18 months and my other one is my middle one is uh, four years old. And if I go to lay on the ground, they jump in on me. They <laughs> want to wrestle. They want to play. They want to hit. They want to do everything. And I just got to take it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, it, it's, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. And every now and then, anytime my four-year-old son, his name is Champ, anytime he sees a red team on TV, he's, Daddy, go Big Red. Daddy, go Big Red. Hell yeah. Pretty yeah. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Future Husker. <laughs> You're doing something right. So yeah, going, back to, going back to that tweet, um, can you elaborate a little bit on why you are so excited for this Matt Rule era to start. Obviously, you're coaching down in Texas. Matt Rule's got a good relationship down in Texas, but can you kind of explain why you are ready to run through a wall for Matt Rule? I think just because 
you know, what they bring. Um, uh, Matt Rule's background and, you know, from being a Temple and just kind of how he built that up and being at Baylor, um, just, you know, everything about him and the staff that he's assembling, bringing some, uh, you know, some high school coaches from Texas there. Uh, Coach McGuire's son um, is there. And like I said, Dr. Elza's there. So I think they understand what they want to do. And so I think right now we're kind of getting that identity of what Nebraska football is going to be like, you know, in the future. So with having an identity and understanding what we can expect, you know, that makes me excited because, you know, sometimes, and I mean, I love the guys in the past, but I really didn't know the exact direction that we was going to. Uh, with these guys, I know um, what they want to do, kind of their vision and what they want to accomplish, how important recruiting Texas is, and just understanding what they're going to get from this state and, you know, what that means for the future of Nebraska. That's what makes me excited about the future. And you look at, the stuff that they're doing, you're seeing videos everywhere, you know, with these team competition things and, you know, the, the commitment week stuff, guys carrying dudes and they're, they're Matt rules, you know, stealing basketballs from people and they're doing dunk contests and they're doing uh team competitions where, Hey, if you go to class, if you go to all these events on campus and you get points and all that stuff. Um, and you've been a part of changed regimes and stuff like that. Have you done anything like Matt Rule's doing right now with these team commitment weeks? Sorry, I'm sick. Team commitment weeks and just like anything like that when you're at Nebraska? Um, no, not that I can recall uh, of doing anything like that. Um, I do remember just the transition of going from one staff to another. And, you know, some of the things that separated, you know, the new staff was you know, just the bonding things that we did as far as, you know, just being together, you know, coming together. Um, it was, uh, you know, Coach Blake's house or Coach Jordan's house or, you know, going to the bowling alley, alley or something. Like, we did a lot more things together, uh, which kind of got us closer. And I think that would allow, you know, that team to be a little bit more successful than, you know, some of the previous teams. So as you got closer with your teammates, did you find that the competition got a little bit more intense? Like, were you a little bit more motivated to beat your friends? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and it was, it was crazy going into that, uh, to the spring, when I did switch over to linebacker, because I switched over when Kalini got there. Oh, man, I had so much fun that spring switching over to linebacker. And now I got, you know, Marlon Lucky. I got Roy Lou. I got Quinn Castile. I got all those guys over there who I've been <laughs> bonding with for the last couple of years. We've been, you know, together, dorms together freaking the Hewitt Center. We do all these things, like close, close, close. Now we after each other. Now it's like, yeah. let's get after it. So that, I mean, that was fun. Just all that, you know, bettering back and forth. So that was, that was awesome. Who did you go head-to-head -head with the most? Who was the one guy that every day you walked in you wanted to beat? Uh, I think Quentin, because he was the only one that wasn't scared. But, he, I mean, he was a big dude, <laughs> Quentin Castillo. So he was the only one that, when he saw me, he would come and he would bring it. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you talk I would say I won more than more than he did, but he would probably, you know, say opposite of that. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. you talked about that transition from running back to linebacker. Uh, what went into that change? Did I mean, talk about the process, um, you know, from switching the staffs to having that conversation with with both staff about going from running back to linebacker. So with uh, with them. 
we had our old trainer, Doak uh, Ostergaard. He was our, our trainer at the time. And I used to talk to him a lot. Man, it was really close. And when the new staff got there, um, he just kind of let those guys know, hey, this guy's, you know, he's a really talented guy. He's been kind of, you know, shuffling through a, a running back room that's, you know, really talented running back room by this committee and all this. But let's try him out on defense because we believe he can help. And so I talked to Coach Polini and Coach Eckler, and they said, hey, if you want to come try it out, since you know everything at running back, you can come try it out this spring. And if there's at any point you don't like it, you don't want to do it, you can go right back to running back. And that was after playing running back for like a week in the spring or something. And so I was like, okay, I tried. And, you know, it worked out. I think within the first three days, you know, I was a starting real linebacker for Nebraska. Dang. So I was like, oh, yeah, I, I like this. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm here to stay. I love it. Did you play linebacker in high school? At a small school, um, mostly just running back. But it was if they had a good corner. I mean, if they had a good receiver, I played corner. If they had, you know, a good running back, I played linebacker. If they had a good quarterback, I played defensive end. Okay. Uh, if they had a big tight end or something, I played safety. So really just whatever I needed to play uh, that week. Well, yeah, in your first start at linebacker, you had, what, like 12 tackles, three pass breakups. Uh, I think you had a forced fumble, something like that. Like, right away, it's like, oh, oh yeah, there's something that? there. <laughs> yeah, is that, who's that, West, Western Michigan, was that? Yes. I don't do man, research at all. jacked up and so excited, man. I was just flying around, having fun, and that was kind of like Coach Polina and Coach Eklund was like, just go play. Don't worry about everything. We got everything set up where you can just fly around and make plays. Philip Dillon is going to make you right. You got Sue and Creek up front. Oh, yeah. Nobody's going to touch you. That's pretty nice. So, I mean, I was just fly around <laughs> having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no shit. You got those guys in front of you and around you. You're fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, when, when you came to Nebraska, you were billed as the, the short yardage. Like, this guy's going to be the hammer to, like, Corey Ross's and, like, Marlon Lucky's, like, slipperiness. So it's like yeah. going to linebacker. I mean, first of all, you had to embrace that role, didn't you? You had to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It had to something I had to accept and just understand using a different skill set because that was completely different. So going to linebacker was just like, I can <laughs> yeah, do that myself. I, yeah, I, I can. can I can lay a hammer, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it kind of worked out where you know just using you know natural athletic ability and just football instincts. And just kind of knowing what those guys on the other side of the ball was thinking and what they was trying to do as far as you know schemes and everything and how to you know counteract that um, kind of made it a lot easier for me making that transition as if I had never played on that side of the ball. So um, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, especially with ha having played special teams and all that stuff. Uh, so it just kind of worked out as a natural fit. So Jared mentions coming to Nebraska, embracing that short yardage role. But you were also offered by Kansas A&M and Oklahoma State. So what was that recruiting process like, and what made Nebraska stand out to you? Um, so whenever I was you know, going through the recruiting process, I had you know, no idea where I wanted to go. Um, really, you know, had never really been outside of Texas, um, never really been anywhere, really. So I just kind of told my mom, I don't know where I'm going to go throughout this process, but when I know, I'm going to know. Whatever feels right for me. So I went to Kansas and I went to Oklahoma State and I went to AM like every weekend because it was just down the road. I uh, went to UT and um, finally took my official visit, you know, to Nebraska and just going to the game 
and just that atmosphere and uh, the love that you get from all the all the fans. And you know, I'm a kid from a five thousand town in Texas, a little small town Rusk, and like people know who I am. And that's like that's just crazy that you know football there is that important to them. And it just kind of made me feel like I was back home and it just felt right. So when I got back, I mean, my mom wasn't so excited at first because it was so far away, but um, she loved it. She, she knew it made me happy. It felt right. So that's really what got me uh, to Nebraska. So you took your mom on your official visit then? Yeah, I, I took that official visit. I took like three more, but um I told Coach Jordan at the time, who's a running back coach, I said, Coach Jordan, I'm a poor kid from Russ, Texas. I ain't never been out of Texas until just now. I'm going on these visits. I'm going to let them wine and dine me. I'm going to eat good. I'm going to do everything. But I'm coming to Nebraska. Just know that. (laughs) So I I did it. (laughs) That's back when a commitment actually was a commitment, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, how much y'all paying me? Oh, that's not enough. I'm, I'm going somewhere else now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so being a high school coach now, I mean, how is it like uh, navigating that NIL realm? I, I don't know if you have any guys that are getting recruited right now, um, but are you helping young young men kind of navigate those waters? Yeah, so actually at the, the high school I'm at, Cypher High School, I'm actually the recruiting coordinator there okay. as well. Uh, so I'm actually, you know, I, we have a quarterback that's committed to Texas. Um, we have a receiver. Um, he's got a bunch of offers. He's I think he's committed to Rice, uh, but you know he's kind of he's still you know open. And then we have a tight end, H back guy that's that's really good. He's offered by a couple of guys. And then we have the defensive tackle that Nebraska offered, Landon Reed. Mm-hmm. You know who's uh, you know he's just a monster. That kid, he's he's different. Uh, so just. Dealing with those guys, just trying to help them navigate through it. And just really the biggest thing is making sure they understand this process and how it's not like it used to be where, you know, colleges have come and they are offer all these high school kids and these high school kids would commit. I mean, they offering, you know, say five receivers. If two of them commit high school kids, then that's it for high school receivers. And then they on to the portal and to, you know, uh, JUCO or whatever the case may be, uh, but they're not offering a lot of high school kids anymore. So now that these kids are getting these offers, I mean, they got to really consider these offers early uh, and, you know, really think about, do I want to go to this school? Do I not? Because unless you are, you know, top 100 player in the entire country, I mean, a lot of colleges are not going to wait on you. I mean, if you're the number one player in the country, you can probably wait until February or whatever. But, you know, if you're a four-star, three-star receiver, uh, somewhere you might want to go ahead and try to lock some down you know, early as a recruiting coordinator. Like what are you looking at as far as like somebody comes to visit your high school to talk to you about your kids? What kind of separates those recruiters from the universities? What sets them apart? Because we hear all the time about like, you know, good recruiters and things like that at the college level. Like what sets them apart? That kind of like makes kids eyes like pop. So with, with a lot of recruiters that we get in, a lot of times they kind of know some of our kids. And um, I think with Texas high school football being a little different is because those coaches know that we are teachers in the school. So I teach economics. So we are teachers in the school. We with those kids every single day. So when we tell these coaches, 
you know, about the character of these kids and the talent level of these kids, you know, they, they believe us and they understand that what we're saying is true. And you get some of those colleges that get on campus and they see some of our kids and they're like, okay, yeah, that's a D1 kid. And some of the kids that they see when they get on campus that they've heard about, you know, they not as advertised. So I think it's, it's really good that we get a lot of those um, colleges that come to our campus to get eyes on our kids and they can see, you know, for themselves, what we've been telling them is that kid's a D1 kid, is he a D2 kid, whatever the case may be. So we hear stories of recruiters coming in and doing some very flashy things. The one I really want to point out is Kirby Smart and his helicopter Jeez. landing on a team's field. <laughs> Has there been anything like that that you've seen? Or what's like the flashiest thing you've seen a team come to to like try and wow a player? Man, we, we haven't had any of those yet. We probably will with the uh, D-tackle that we have coming up. But I guess the flashiest thing, um, a couple of years ago when I was at a different school uh, in the same area, uh, we had this receiver that ended up going to Texas A&M, and we had, uh, was it Sumlin? He was a the coach there at the time at A&M, and he had what they call the swag copter. <laughs> oh, so hell yeah. He would, he would come in his swag copter, <laughs> land, come to Ains, be right there on the sideline, and, <laughs> and it's just just nuts. Everybody could hear it. They could see it. They knew who it was, and it was it made it great games because all the kids freaking turned up, and it was like, they was like, I'm getting a scholarship tonight. How hard, how hard is it to like bring those kids back down to earth? Like, okay, you're not that big yet. Right. Like you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. No, I think with, with the area that we're in, uh, just on our team, we have, you know, four division one players and any, even the, uh, crap, I keep forgetting his, his name, the, uh, the kid from South Woods, uh, Cypress, Texas, you know, we uh, Dylan, Dylan Rogers, who mm. come into Nebraska. Yeah. Yep. We played him this year. So, you know, they and he had a teammate that was going to Oregon. So I think because they see so many Division One players, uh, it, it doesn't make it as you know, big of a deal. Because for me, growing up in a small town, you know, I was the only kid offered by Division One college within 100 square miles. And so, like, it was a big deal. Right. And so I think with, you know, the competition here, it makes it a little bit more, those guys a little more grounded. Yeah, if you saw a helicopter in Rusk, Texas, <laughs> like, what the? <laughs> I'm like, like, man, who, who got hurt? Was that a car crash? <laughs> <laughs> airlifted. <laughs> no, we're here to recruit you. Shit. We're airlifting Cody Glenn to Nebraska. How about that? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So, nah, nah, that would have been nuts. <laughs> so you were saying that on, you said Cypher High School, right, in Cyprus. Yeah. Um, the yep. defensive tackle is being recruited by Nebraska, right? That's what you said? Yep. So have yep. you met personally with Terrence Knighton or Rule or anyone else from the current staff about this kid? No, uh, Coach Knighton uh, was the one that came down. So I got a chance to you know talk to him a little bit um, just about the kid. And, you know, he just kind of wanted to get eyes on him. And, you know, we, we've talked about him. And uh, so he was really the only one that I've seen that's come down um, so far. Okay. Did he do his homework? Did he know who you were? No, no, he's not a, I guess, not to say he's not a Nebraska guy, but, you know, he's not, you know, a Nebraska guy. Yeah, right. he, he didn't know he, he was talking was. to a former yeah. Husker? <laughs> Uh-oh. 
Yeah, I had to, I had to explain <laughs> it to him, and he's like, "Oh, okay, okay." So I got to talk to him a little bit about that. Oh, <laughs> okay. So you you could tell him a little about a little yeah. bit about Lincoln because he probably doesn't know much shit about it yet. But <laughs> did you give him some grief? Yeah, for that? exactly. I told him stay away from O Street after twelve o'clock. <laughs> hey, that's a smart man right there. Nothing you, good happens on O Street after twelve. You know what? That no, sounds no. That sounds like a Bo Pelini coach player right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Get caught on O Street by Bo Pelini at, after midnight. See what happens. Getting crazy with Carl. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's happened before. That, that, that's oh. happened. Wait, did it happen to you? Like, Not you, though. No, I was, I was, I was hiding. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> like, I, was, I was there. I remember, like, when Pelini was there, like, I don't know, a couple of guys that got into it or something, and we was banned from O Street. Until we could only go Saturday or something like that, so we was pretty much banned from O Street until Saturdays after the game. And I know some guys got caught down there and been <laughs> pretty. Yeah. What was what were some of the punishments that got handed out if you got caught there without Bo's permission? Oh jeez. Oh no, it was like like six a.m. pencil rolls on the uh, oh yeah in the um, indoor facility. Um, you know, stair climbing for like an hour at you know eight some eight steps for hour, whatever the case was, but. Whatever made you throw up the most in the fastest <laughs> and made you hate your life the most, that's what it was. <laughs> so it only took a, it only took a couple times. So yeah, that's a very motivating thing <laughs> to not do again. Yeah. So you, then you had to get up and go to class because if you missed class, then it was double. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you've joined the exclusive club. We've had a lot of bow guys on. All right. And we asked this with every single bow guy we've ever had on the show. Do you have any Favorite Bo Pelini stories, um, maybe a time that he got it, got in on your ass, um, maybe he got in on somebody else. But is, do you have any? Do you, do you have a favorite memorable Bo Pelini story? Man, I, um, not where he, not where he really got after somebody. It was the, the one that I always you know come to mind is is actually a good one where you know him being a ball coach and um, and we had this little linebacker uh, Matt. Uh, what was his name? Number 35. I can't remember his name, but we, we was playing somebody. It was, I think it was Kansas. And Bo Pelini told this linebacker, it was a backup linebacker, told him to go sit on the 25-yard line, two yards outside the hash. Don't move. He's going to throw the ball right to you. All right? Ball snap. That guy just sits there, whatever, whatever, throws it up. The guy don't move. He throws it right to him. Interception. You think he takes it for 20 yards or something. Game over. And I didn't know how he knew that. Like that was the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it was, it was unreal. But I mean, obviously, I've seen Bo chew a lot of ass. In yeah. in my <laughs> well, you know, a cool. lot of the nation has. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's a lot of Texas A&M like fans did. There anymore. Um, yeah, it's one of the reasons. And you know, it's funny that Mike <laughs> asked you about a Bo Pelini story because, like, you were recruited by Bill Callahan. Yeah. And so, like, and we were saying right before you came on, like, the Bill Callahan era, especially before Scott Belief got here, that was like the the era that Nebraska fans like to forget, and we like to sweep it under the rug. It didn't happen. Shh, and Men in Black thing, right? Shh. But yeah. <laughs> but do you? And of course, we look back at the Callahan era a little bit more positively. I mean, he had a nine one season in there. He had a top ten recruiting class. Beat Michigan on a on a crazy play in the Alamo Bowl, whatever. Um, do you? Oh, yeah, feel, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I, we do too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, do you feel like Bill Callahan kind of gets a bad rap, or like do, I, I'm not going to ask for a Callahan story necessarily, but just like 
what are your kind of just overarching thoughts about Bill Callahan as a coach at Nebraska? I think with, with Bill Callahan, I just think he was never a college coach. With him being in a in a meeting room with him, you know, when I was playing running back, and you know, he's more on the offensive line and all that. I'm I've still yet to find anybody that is as smart football wise as Bill Callahan for his oh, yeah. X's and O's and schematically and just you know football. Just I've never met anybody as smart as him. You know, he kind of looks like the mad scientist, throw glasses on and him below his yeah, yeah. nose and all that. Like. <laughs> He is the smartest football player that I ever met, a football coach I've ever met. His thing was, he just wasn't. I'm not sure I understand. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't understand either. He just wasn't a, a coach's, uh, a player's coach. Serious, I don't know, serious tripping. But, <laughs> Herb um, Callahan's he like, whoa, whoa. Coach, so he couldn't really relate to us, you know? So um, there was that really that disconnect between him and the players. And I think that's is why he couldn't get as many people to really, you know, play for him. When times was bad, you know, people just kind of, you know, were taint. And I think with Bo Pelini, I mean, Bo Pelini could walk into my house right now and say, Cody, let's go. See that wall, run through it. Yes, sir. Helmet on. I'm going right now. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> that's just who it is, you know, even with a broke neck. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's the narrative that we get from every single Bo Pelini player we've ever talked to. I don't think I've heard a single Bo player tell me that they wouldn't run through a wall for him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you see all the stuff on the sidelines where he's ripping people's ass and all that. I was telling people, if that dude didn't mess up, he wouldn't be getting his <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason. I, that was going to be my next question was, when it, when that came down, like, did you just know as he was in your face and you could see those veins because you always could? In the spin. Um, did you just know, like, I deserve this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I was probably just as mad at, at myself as he was. And, you know, I would just take all the, you know, the spit in the face and, and the yelling and, uh, oh, man, it was just. You know, it's, I can see his face right now yelling at me. But, you know, I just, well, if I didn't mess up and I and I didn't do the wrong coverage or I didn't hit the wrong gap and that dude didn't go 80 yards for a touchdown, he wouldn't be ripping my ass. So right, yeah. that's on me. Yeah, we had we had Josh Mitchell on, and Bo apparently prepped these guys for this exact same thing to happen a hundred times in practice, and they were out of place. And he said, "Yep, I knew that was going to happen." And after Bo got done ripping you, he said that he'd, he'd pick you back up later on. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every, every single time. Every single time. That's what people didn't see. Like, yeah. The, every, every single time. The media never saw that part, right? No. <laughs> they only saw they Angry Bo. <laughs> huh? They only saw Angry Bo. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. That's all they wanted to see. So well, when all he did was win nine games every single year. He was there. So Yeah. Yeah, but Bo being nice isn't great for ratings. So right. why would they show that? It's boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is true. Changing <laughs> lives for the better. <sighs> yeah, boring. <laughs> um, I need to create a narrative. Um, so you had mentioned a coach earlier, Mike Eckler, who has probably a fifty-inch vertical. Uh, he he's coaching at <laughs> right. He gets up there. Uh, he's coaching at Tennessee right now. Um, Mike Eckler. What kind of what when when I say Mike Eckler, like what comes to mind? Man, just animal, yeah. animal, like, absolutely okay. animal. <laughs> like he's great coach. Like he he has the most energy of any coach I've ever been around in my life. Like 
I knew if I made a play, I need to go watch for him because he's coming. And he's, he's jumping on like you. Up, upside my head, like cheering. Like he was, like you said, he had a, a 50 inch vertical, like crazy. Little, <laughs> little small guy. He go in the weight room, do his 225 every single day. But man, he has so much energy. Okay. I just want to, I just feel like he's a overlooked coach, you know, and of course he's on a pretty, pretty good team. They were pretty good last year. Hell Tennessee. Yeah, they and were good. Like, he, yeah. You know, he had done his little leaping thing, and um, I posted a thing on our Twitter with, like, four different times that he did that at Nebraska. I know he did it more than that, but it's like, it's good to see Coach Eckler again, you know? He's just one of those dudes that, again, Callahan era, you don't really hear about him, but he's still a hell of a coach. Hello. So you talk about about Eckler just being high energy, getting you hyped up. Player or coach, any of the guys that you played with or were coached by, who was, like, the biggest hype man? Who was the guy that every time you walked on that sideline was just ready to get you going? Oh man, probably I don't know, Phil, probably Philip Dillard. Okay, the, okay. Um, linebacker we had, he just I think it was more just his intensity. You know, he wasn't always just loud, but man, game time came and man, he just, he just had this intensity about him that like, man, let's go. You know, he was our Mike linebacker, like he was the leader of the show. But man, that that dude, he's a funny, funny dude too. <laughs> but like he would, he would, he would get you going. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's, let's jump to your NFL career just a little bit. Um, I know that you were drafted by the Redskins and that you eventually mm-hmm. ended up with the Indianapolis Colts. Let's go. Go Colts. Play, um, play with Peyton the Goat. Best right? thing never happened. Yeah. And you uh, look, uh, you know, I was just doing a little bit of research or whatever. And it's like, you were in the middle of probably what was the craziest play in Super Bowl history. Oh, yeah. Now, I just want the record. I just want to state for the record, everybody. Cody Glenn did not touch the ball first. That was not you. But you were in the middle of that pile, though. Hank Basket. (laughs) You can say his name. I didn't want to, but... It's yeah, like it was Hank Basket. No. <laughs> Get his ass. <laughs> write, write him down. <laughs> well, and I oh. just, yeah, it, you playing in the Super Bowl. Just kind of go through how intense was that? You know, that's that's a whole different thing. The Super Bowl. It's an event in itself. Everybody in America watches that game and overseas. Just like go into what it was like playing in a Super Bowl. Oh man, it was it was unreal. I think you know the first first part of it you know one of the things that I remember most so we getting ready you know for the game we're on the sideline and I look over next to me and I see this you know, little pretty woman in all white getting ready to sing a national anthem I was like man she's beautiful mm. and it was um oh what's my country singer name uh Carrie I lost her name Carrie yes yes Underwood. yes and I was mesmerized for a second. I, I couldn't focus on the game. <laughs> Spent so, some game. You don't so get that in the regular season, really. I still remember it. <laughs> Carry Underwood, that's what it was. Yes, yes. But other than that, I mean, you know, whenever you watch the game, you know, from home or whatnot, and the opening kickoff, and then you see all the cameras flashing and stuff, and, you know, we kicked the ball off first. And so just running down, I mean, for a second – I could see all those, you know, flashes and all of that. And then, you know, I kind of came back and focused on the game. And But I just remember that part of it and that part being, you know, one of those, you know, really special moments and re- one of those awe moments. And like, man, this is the Super Bowl. Like, this is the opening kickoff. 
You know, this look, this dude from Russ, Texas, is running down. <laughs> Damn, yeah, in Miami on the Super Bowl forty four. Like it's, it, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was a lot of fun. Okay, so this is better if we won. But <laughs> yeah, this is a personal question for me. So Peyton Manning was was and is my favorite player of all time. Uh, what was it like sharing a locker room with that guy? I named my daughter after him for God's sakes. I mean, like I I have to ask this question. Her middle Man, name is Manning um, too. No, it's not. It's not. But <laughs> Man, Peyton is—he's exactly what you think he is, and he's exactly what you see. He's the first person in, last person to leave. Mm. I think he's funny. He's charismatic. He nobody works harder. Like he is a bona fide leader. You knew without a doubt when you came into the coach facility that he was the leader on that team. And just, you know, just a funny dude, like, you know, every single day in practice, you know, him and Jeff and all those guys, you know, they would you know, joke around and, and do different stuff. Um, and, you know, I was telling the story um, about Peyton as a leader. So on that team, we had, you know, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Dallas Clark, Jeff Saturday, you know, all these guys, you know, big time guys. And I remember we had a, a meeting, you know, when, football players or anybody come into a room, they always want to sit at the top at the auditorium or whatnot. And so everybody's sitting up top and it became like a player's meeting. So Peyton walks up and he said, all right, everybody first row rows, let's go. There wasn't any bitch. There wasn't any complaining. There wasn't any moaning. You got these big six, six, 300 pound guys get up, come down to the front, sit down. That's how our meeting, nothing was said. And that was like my first week there. So I was like, holy cow, like he's, that's the dude. He's the dude. <laughs> he's the sheriff. You know, so that's, he's that's the kind of let you know like who he is. Yeah. Just imagine if Tom Brady was running that. Oh, meeting. Fuck like, you. Fuck you. <laughs> we all know. And I don't even like Tom Brady. Find me another quarterback that has more MVPs than Peyton Manning. I'll wait. I'll wait. You guys can keep looking. I'll wait. You give me 12 <laughs> rounds in a ring. I put my money on Peyton every day of the week. That's fine. That's fine. Um, well, do you guys have any other? I do. I or? do have a, a bit of a personal question. So, years ago, I don't know if it was like a Team Jack gala or something, but my grandma, my whole life has has gifted me uh, hand painted portraits, and uh, we showed up to this convention at the Embassy Suites here in in La Vista, and uh, I walked in in hopes that I would get Indomitian Sue's signature with my dad. And I believe that you were somebody that I shook hands with standing next to gum Sue, his sister. Uh, and I, uh -huh. didn't, I didn't know if you remember that or not, but my dad would kill me if, if I forgot to just mention it and ask you if you remembered anything about that. I do remember uh, being at Embassy Suites with him and his sister and all that. I don't remember the you know, exact you know, interaction, but I do remember yeah. you know, that night and being there yeah. and all that. Did you get it signed? No, it's still it's still unsigned, it's hanging up on the, the few, wall. Right? It's one of the few, right? It's one of the few. I've got like twenty seven or so. My my grandma's given me one or two every year since I've I've I was born, and they're all just like you know famous Nebraska football players, coaches, things like that. Uh, so it's always like a fun thing. We always try to get him signed on senior day, but we got Sue's, uh, he was a senior that year. So we didn't get to meet him at fan day. So we found this reporter that got us in the door and then he had just taken off like in his limo and gum was trying to call uh, him like, yo, like you got to come back here and see this thing. And, and yeah, it just didn't work out. He's so. like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So Fine. yeah, I just wanted to bring it up. You My dad would kill me if him. I didn't. Yeah. You should have just lied to him, told him you remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, man, it's greatest time, man. I, I, yes. I, I appreciate it, my man. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> um, we always like to to wrap up segments with former players and guests, just asking what your prediction for this upcoming season for Nebraska football. It could be a record, preferably a record, but just what what is what is your prediction for this twenty twenty three Husker season? Man, really, I mean, I'm not going to sit and say, oh, I just do better than last year and all this. Like, of course, we better do better than last year. Sure. I mean, I, honestly, I expect seven to eight win. I expect everything to be, you know, trending in the right direction. I expect guys to be on board. I expect to be able to see that as I watch them, you know, as I hear them speak in the media that, man, we are all in. There's no separation between the old regime and the new regime. Like, we are all one. Like that's what I expect, just based on what I've seen so far. So far, and if if we don't see that, like something needs to be done. Like we need everybody on the same page, ready to go. Seven to eight wins. That's where we starting at, and we're gonna build from there. I oh, love, I love it. I love that. Amen. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you too, Cody. Uh, have you been, or do you plan on going um, to any Husker games? So have you been any uh, been to any Husker games since you left the university? And do you plan on going into um, any next year? Um, I, when I first got out, I used, I used to go uh, quite a bit. And since I've been back in Texas coaching, I hadn't had a chance to go. Just because I was our season. Oh, yeah. They, you know, their season, yep. same time. Uh, but, you know, every now and then we'll have a, you know, a week off, a bye week or something. Uh, but I do want to make it a point this year to, you know, get back up there and, you know, take take my son since, you know, he's old enough to kind of understand oh, and yeah. see everything that's going on. And um, I can show him my name. I think I got, you know, my name is on that wall in there. So I can kind of uh-huh. show him, hey, there's dad. You know, so so it'll be it'll be pretty cool. I think I'm going to try to get back up there this year. Good. Well, well hey, if you do come down, um, we have a beer waiting for you here in the tap room. We're at uh, the largest brewery um, in the state of Nebraska in Omaha. It's uh, Nebraska Brewing Company. And um, in Lincoln, we will uh, we'll definitely take care of you at a tailgate, too. If you bring your family. We'll, we'll feed you. We'll, we'll wine and dine you. Make sure that uh, make sure you have a memorable time when you come back. Absolutely, beer, food, and football. I'm there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a true Nebraska guy right there. Hell yeah! Doesn't matter. He's from Texas. That's a true Nebraskan. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, Cody Glenn. Thank you once again for coming on. No block, no rock. We appreciate you, and uh, we want to just want to wish you luck down in Texas. Hope you're doing all right down there. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Go Big Red. Go Go big red. Thanks, Cody. Go Big Red indeed. All right, Cody Glenn. That was a great very interview. Nice. That, that was nice. very fun. Very personable guy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it just it feels like he's still connected to the university and a guy that hasn't played in Nebraska or been around Nebraska in a long time, but just that coaching hat when he put it on, like I, it just you can feel that. You can feel the like how he connects his his time here at Nebraska with the way he does things now and. Yeah, And you know what? One thing that I always appreciate about the former players that we have on this show are the guys that are like, this is what I expect. It's got to be seven, eight wins a year. Like, it's can we be- stop yeah. fucking yeah. around? Yeah. It's like right. that. It's, it's going to be four or five. five. Ah, nah, like, like, fuck that. Like, no, we got to give him time. We got to do that. Like, no, he was very straight to the point. Like, no, seven or eight wins. I got to be seeing these dudes in the media talking like this, doing this, doing this. Like, he knows what it looks like. Right. Yeah. So it, it's it's always fun to hear those guys' perspective just on, like, what do you expect? Because as a fan, I'm like, 
I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff. Like I just, yeah. I talk into a microphone every Monday. Like I, exactly. Like, <laughs> I'm just a fan. I just sit, I, you know, I support from the, from the sidelines. Like, I don't know, but he knows what it looks like. And he had a pretty good opinion on it. Right. It's easy I'll, for us to say eight wins or bust. Right. Yeah. You know, none of us are taking a field. Right. I will tell you every Monday that we get to talk to a bow player, a it's special because they are just some of the most genuine dudes. And I think that probably comes a little bit from how bow, you know, shaped them in their time at Nebraska. But every Monday we get a bow player. All I can think is, how long until we get bow? Right. That would be Give incredible. Yeah, that would be incredible. If we got to talk to Bo for 30 minutes, I'd cry. I agree. Ten. <laughs> I'll take 10. Give me 10. I'll take 10. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Or, uh, you know, uh, Troy Walters. <laughs> Troy. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, you know? hey. Yeah. Because I, I feel like there's a saying that we have um, on this podcast. No, you're talking about uh, we have a saying no blog, no rock. That, that would, would be, be the fantastic, one. Fantastic. You know, well, I think as soon as Troy saw that Mike quit the thing after like eight days, Dude, it's, he's it's like, tough, you know what, man. how bad, how bad do they really want me? It's, if after eight days, I'm getting sick of this Twitter shit. Dude, it's tough. God, it's, it's tough. tough. We just need to find it's someone so who tough. has connect, like has his phone number. And then we'll just call him. Troy, we're nice guys. We're going to call him on yeah. air. We'll, we'll put him on the spot and be like, let's get you in here. Troy, the, bre the brewery's going to pay for yeah. it. You're going to come down and you're going to do it. Troy, why do you hate us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, just like I know that we're going to keep going, right? We yeah, gonna we're going to keep okay, going. Yeah. So this is kind of like you said that we want to get Troy Walters on or whatever. A guy that I would like to get on and... You know, we tweeted about him today. Is Sam Greasel? Yeah, I yeah, totally agree. That. And like, I know you sent a tweet out about him. I said he should never have to buy another meal or drink in the state ever again. And so, like, this is our invitation to Sam Greasel. You want a free drink? Come to Nebraska Brew Company. Oh, free drink. No, free, free dinner. Free drinks. Drinks. Yes. Drinks. Plural. Plural. Plural yes. Sam. They have a lot of beer here. <laughs> yes, we I will promise. do our part. <laughs> you you work as hard as you can. I'm not going to run out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we will do our part with the free drinks part. So yes. I'm just saying, and this can kind of uh, lead to a discussion about Nebraska ball. Oh, not huh. making the NIT. I, I I was not surprised at all. To, no, I wasn't either. You know what I mean? And it's, Hold on. When you say you weren't surprised, are you saying you're not surprised that we didn't make the NIT or you weren't surprised by the loss to Minnesota? Because I was surprised by the loss. Look, I, well, I think if you beat Minnesota, you're in the NIT regardless. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. And we said that last week. We're like, if you lose to Minnesota, that team is terrible. And everything that needed to happen at the end of the game happened and you still lost. Yeah. So but I, I'm saying, were you like, don't tell me you weren't surprised by the result of the game because I don't think any of us at that table last Monday envisioned Nebraska losing to no, Minnesota. No, no. I, 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 I said Minnesota's a bad team. They're I wasn't bad. surprised after the loss that we weren't going to get the bid. I like we talked about that extensively. Yeah, yeah. But I was very surprised by the result of that game. Oh, that, yeah. Like the Nebraska team looked like that they had the heart. They were working their asses off for the entire last what eight nine games. All of, of February. Yeah. yeah. To I, and they looked good. This um, could, okay, again, like the last eight or nine games, right? Do you feel like Nebraska was playing above their heads? A little. You I think I mean? a little bit. A little. I, th I definitely think you could say that. Because, you know, I, I think that because over 
you know, this was his fourth year, right? Fourth year? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the past eight or nine games, while great, obviously. They, they were fantastic. It was, it was an anomaly from the rest of the four years. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, sure. Like that window was so much different from what we've seen before. So it's like, are we getting fool's gold right now? Maybe not, though. I mean, honestly, it's something to build off of. You still have... In that eight, nine-game stretch, you had guys like Jamarcus Lawrence who got heavy minutes and looked good. Like Even against Minnesota, he looked good. Um, really coming and finding his own as a, a shooter. And you got a guy like Sam Hoiberg who got these minutes and you found out that this guy is a fucking grinder. He is a guy that's going to make plays. First in, first out. Yes. And you Why? see these guys. And if you get a Kase Tominaga to come back, you have guys to build around. You are still missing some pieces. Yeah, I mean, if if Hunter Salas were to go to the portal and maybe come to Nebraska, that would that would be an instant game changer type guy. You need a true point guard, though. I I love the fuck out of Sam Greasel. I love what he did for the university. I love what he did for this team. But you need a, a true distributor. You can't run your offense through a guy like Derek Walker. Like no. that's not going to be consistent. <laughs> no, it's not. No, yeah. no, no, no. I no, think no. I w- I would hesitate to call that stretch fool's gold. What I would call it was. Uh, for the first, honestly, the majority of the season was unrealized potential. And then sort of near the back end, they started to figure out, like, hey, we're not slouches. We we can compete. And then, obviously, just there's really no other way to put it other than a poor performance against Minnesota. Yes. There's really no other way to put it. I'm sorry. Um, they lost but, their best player with 10 minutes left. Yeah. And you it, still couldn't. It was disappointing. Uh, but... Yeah, I would hesitate to call that run near the back end of the season fool's gold. I would say it's... It was all heart. It's a silver lining for what I think Hoiberg probably saved his job. Well, you, he probably. did save his job, but it's a building block in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think... Um, and we, we hope and, it is, I guess. And so I, I think, yeah, I, I think you see a team and a culture that's really starting to come together for Hoiberg. Okay, so here's like my outlook on the future. We've talked about the issues with not like having to replace your whole basketball team every single year, right? Mm -hmm. Uh And so like here's my biggest concern for, I guess, Fred Hoiberg is like, how do you replace Walker? How do you replace Sam Griesel? How do you replace Casey Tomanaga if he decides not to come back? Those are, that that was your offense outside of, Lawrence. So my biggest thing is like, while he did change his scheme, he changed it to more of be like a defensive uh, mindset and, and not kind of build on that. You can build on that. Right. But now you're having to go back and do the exact same thing you've done the last four years, which is you got to replace the majority of the team. And if, that's, but you, that's, in the past though, we haven't had anybody to build off of. We actually have a young core. I mean, you got guys that got some really good minutes, even freaking Bradenbach and, you even got um, what's what's the other center, the seven footer that is Ole Koyanitz. No, 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 no. the Blaze Kada. Blaze Kada. I mean, Blaze Kada got some really good minutes. I was gonna say Olego. What? No, Olego. <laughs> no, no. But well, like, even Blaze, you know, with his injuries, was yeah, he was limited, but he looked good when he could play. I oh, mean, yeah. like so you. I don't know. I, I I understand what you're saying with you know turning the whole roster, but this is the first time where young guys. We're actually seeing it wasn't all transfers. Right. We had young guys that were forced to play. If Vandamel and Gary didn't go down, we would have been in that situation for sure because none of those guys would have had any minutes. Another big part to that is Mike, I know you go to pretty much 
every home game. Every that, home. Like, pretty much every one, if not every. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but I, I think another big recruiting pitch when you have to bring guys in, either you know as young recruits or as transfers, is showing them, look, look at that atmosphere when we beat Iowa. Look at what happened when we beat Creighton. Like, these aren't even, like, you know, Iowa and Creighton, I think we could all probably call quad one wins. But look what happens in the state of Nebraska when you do that. For a program that a lot of people write off as irrelevant, the state goes fucking insane. It's true. And we're not asking you to go to March Madness. We're not asking you to make a deep run. Fuck, I would kill for you to get one goddamn win in that tournament. You come here and you get 15 to 18 wins in a season, and... Like you're a god. We've been talking about Casey. We've been talking about Casey for like six or seven straight weeks. That's a 16, 17 win team. Like So this is my question, you guys. NCAA tournament next year. Or no. bust. I would yeah, I would say yes. Oh, for Hoyberg? I would for Hoyberg. Yes. yes. Yeah, and, no, he's gotta make the tourney. See now Mike, you said yes right away, and now you're like, Okay, but here's my thing. <laughs> the only thing that I would say an iffy NIT type thing would be top four uh, seed in the NIT, and I'd I'd be willing to let him stay. Yeah, my yeah. thing is it, it's all about how it looks. It it can't be. I mean, not not close losses or anything like that. But like ah. this year, given circumstances, you were still rattling off wins. You had really big wins against Iowa. Um, you beat Creighton. You beat teams like that. But to me, like you could go look back at like Tim Miles. We tweeted about it today. He won 22 games and missed the fucking tourney. I was just so, going to say that. So, why. like, if, if a season like that happens and Nebraska gets fucked, you win 22 games and somehow don't make the fucking tournament, and then you got Rutgers fans bitching when they won 19 games and lost to Nebraska. Fuck Rutgers. Uh, at home. And to me, it's just that it, it's about how it looks. Like, if you have a really good winning record, I would say he's fine. Again, but, I'm saying you give me a, a top four NIT seed, and I think he's chilling. I think he's fine. Yeah. If you're hosting, hosting an a, a top, game? Yeah, top four, would, NIT, that top would four NIT seed, and I'm not asking for a one seed. I'm saying right as a four seed going into the NIT, I think Hoiberg would be fine. That would technically you be in, progress. Yeah. Right? That's what we're asking for. Progress. But yeah. If you come in Kyle, as like, you're, you're quiet yeah. over here. What you think about... I can see the wheels. I can see the smoke. The smoke coming out of his ears. I wish you could see how big my smile is right now. (laughs) I can see it. He's thinking about football. I want you to put your smile into words now. I mean, (laughs) I'm not. No. What? No. I just. I don't. You're on a podcast. Your words will live forever. We're not editing this shit out, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) You're on video. I just. (laughs) What? Give it. What does? What does? So okay, this brings up the golden question: Like, golden. what what is acceptable progress for the, Nebraska? The NIT, a four seed in the NIT, in year five, in yes. year five, I guess. If you don't that, get me a four seed me, in that the is NIT, like, that's the Charmin Ultra Bowl. If you want to like f- switch it and compare okay. it to football, yeah. okay, yeah, that's that's what Scott <laughs> needed to do to keep his job was to could. make the Charmin Ultra Softball. Right? True. Yeah. That's all Fred has to do. I think is just make. The NIT. And to make the NIT, okay. you have to have yeah. above 500 record. You can't be 500. Yeah. Some people and are saying if they don't make the NCAA tournament, it's bye-bye Freddie. And it, it very well could be. I'm glad I'm not I'm not Trev because I, I tit, though. Yeah, I do tit. I, I, do, I tit. do tit. I tit hard. We I, all tit at I, the tit of tit. I Trust tit. in Trev, baby. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the NCAA tournament argument, I think, is a little extreme. 
But I think another thing that's going to make things a little bit more difficult in year five is this rumor that you can't recruit basketball players to Nebraska. That's been proven wrong. And even when you recruit players, we're not pulling that many five stars. Got one. One ever. We got one. Ever. Um, But (laughs) I think what Fred showed this year was less about recruitment and more about development. And I think that is probably his saving grace leading into year five. I agree. I, I agree. The development thing. I, I think that he is has probably, no choice. Yeah, that, that has you, to be his. You better grade. fucking develop, or you're gone. Here, here's my concern. My concern is that Fred Hoiberg has hit his ceiling, and I say that because even with this great run over nine games, even with that arguably the best run in modern Nebraska basketball history, still couldn't make the NIT. Yeah, but and I, think, I, I get it. The, earlier before they were losing, but I'm just saying, even with that awesome run where we were in the clouds, we we're on cloud nine. It's like even despite that run, it's like still didn't make the NIT. I, yeah, I think I think you had the first three years, and we've talked about it. It took you three years to figure out that your scheme wasn't working, and it, it made you decide to become a defensive-minded basketball program. And so you saw that at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's a transitional period, right? You're instilling a new mindset. You're instilling a new, like, we're going to be defensive heavy. We don't need to score 85, 95 points a game to try to beat people out. Let's just kick the shit out of them on the defensive side. Yeah. So I think if you, if, if we're going to talk, like, I don't want to say excuses, but if we're talking, trying to, like, talk through this, if you have this transition and you go on this incredible run in February – it took you a while to get that stuff rolling, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's with losing two starters and playing people that shouldn't have gotten as many minutes or somebody that you'd assume wouldn't if your two other right. starters didn't get hurt. So, like you said, Mike, there's a lot to build off of as far as, like, your scheme and then you've got your younger players and things like that moving into to next year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just think – I think part of the beginning of this year and how kind of rough it was. Uh, it definitely had something to do with just transitioning and trying to figure out what works. And he found it. Yeah. Cause obviously it was very successful in February, but was it too little too late? Right. Maybe. Uh, and so I'm, I obviously want, it was, I, yeah. <laughs> well, then you lose a Minnesota. I, yeah. I want to point out that when I, we started this episode, I did say I am drinking Pilsner. I am not drinking Kool-Aid. I will say that I felt like, uh, again, I bitched about it last week about the net rankings and how Nebraska, struggled to move in net rankings 90s. Even, even when they were getting quad one wins. So we were winning and still it, going down in the rankings. Yeah. So. And so I felt like there was some sort of bias against Nebraska. Again, I'm not drinking Kool-Aid here. I am not saying Nebraska is the best team on the planet. In fact, I'm not even saying they should have got a bid to the NCAA tournament. I think with the loss to Minnesota, that barely put them out of the NIT. But to be in the 90s in the net rankings with those wins, with zero quad three or quad four losses up until that Minnesota loss, I thought that was just absolutely unfair. I thought it was, it, it felt biased. Yeah. Well, they just, they didn't respect the Nebraska journey, the little fun that we were having. The national media didn't give a shit about that. I, I'm just telling no. you that now. For what it's worth, it looked like a Cinderella story, and that's what everybody was banking on, and yeah. then the Cinderella story ended with yeah. Minnesota yes. in the Big Ten Cinder- tournament. Ended abruptly. Cinderella lost her slipper, and that yes. bitch ain't coming back. Right. One name that I'm intrigued about, um, and we can, I don't know, do you want to talk a little bolt ball before we wrap up, or no? Go for it. Okay, but one Absolutely. thing I wanted to mention. I'll never deny um, that. To put, to put a bow on Nebraska ball. 
is we do have a guy that did not play this year that they thought about pulling his redshirt as Ramel Ramel Lloyd, and you know that that could be the the missing piece that Fred needed to needs to get the offense going next year. So we'll see. He could be a good piece to build around. I know obviously he has no minutes. He's never played, but there's a reason he redshirted. He went to IMG Academy. I mean he's yeah he was a sought after guy. So maybe he has that piece and a guy that was able to build and develop uh, to build around for next year. Yeah, and that decision to keep his red shirt and not play him yeah. probably had something to do with Fred knowing, like, my job is secure. I don't want to gamble on this kid. Like, yeah. let's save him for next year. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I hope that maybe that's the piece that we know we we're talking about those other guys, that he could be that missing piece. Uh, maybe he is that replacement for Greasel or something, or maybe he is the missing piece for Casey Tomanaga. I don't know. Right. But let's go into a, a quick segment on Bolt ball. Very quick. Oh. Um, I'd like to start by saying we were sitting in this brewery over on the other side of these things. And I talked about how last year I told people not to freak out after losing the first series of the season. Uh. And so I, I just, I banged that point again. And you guys said, fuck you, Mike. Don't get on that close shit. Blah, Mike, blah. you're a piece of shit. And so Mike, go I die in a hole. the baseball team has looked okay. They've, they've looked good. They had a couple good wins um, and they are hitting the shit out of the ball. To our defense, we were just looking at the evidence. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm aware. At that point. I'm yeah. aware. Look, hey, that's all I'm saying. We, you, you Connor, can, what's simply, the, what does the evidence look like now? We simply, we wouldn't know that now. Yeah. We're sitting there four weeks ago. Yeah, we simply brought the same treatment that you gave us. Yeah, yeah. The that evidence, but yeah. so far, it looks good. Here's the yeah, thing: and right? the season's like, almost over. Like people, <laughs> stop, stop, that. stop that. It's looked okay. Listen, you can't say it just looks okay because. They back-to-back 10-run win Northern Colorado. Northern Which Colorado, is a powerhouse. They Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado's bad. Yeah. Bad. bad. Yeah, you bad fucking... Team. Those are games you should 10-run. But baseball is a weird sport. It is. Okay, baseball is weirder than football. Baseball is filled with crazy shit that happens all the time. My point with this is they're taking care of business. Against a team, they should be doing that. Win the games you're supposed to win. They're not losing to Georgia Southern. Correct. And you go out, Northern, or I'm sorry, Illinois State. Yes. Do work. Who has good pitching. Swept them. Swept them. Kind of. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll call it a sweep. Yeah, the air quotes are on there for those that aren't watching us right now. The air quotes are on swept. The thing that I like is their starters are going six innings. They're giving the bullpen less chances to fuck things up. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, look, you you have Kyle Perry, you have Shea Shannon. Shea Shannon looks like he is going, he's Shaying, which is a good thing. Experienced guy, former starter. Earlier as in San Diego and stuff, it's like, oh boy, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh. But uh, some of their younger guys, you know, I had said in the video that I made, it's twelve to nothing, and you're walking, dudes. Don't do that. Don't. Don't walk, guys, when it's 12 to nothing. Groove them a fastball right down the middle. I don't care. Who cares? Just, walks are the worst thing ever. My advice. You should re- go to hell for walking, guys. Regardless go. whether it's 12 nothing, just don't walk, guys. I My advice for pitchers would just be strike everyone out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> don't allow any hits. That's a good call. Ever. Yeah. That's a good call. Here's the I, thing. This is, and I know, hire me as a coach. You're, you're, <laughs> sub, you're oversimplifying it, and I appreciate what you're doing. Oh, yeah. No, I'm being a dick. But what you have to do is... When it is twelve to nothing, you have to bet on your defense. Throw strikes, right? If a guy hits it, he hits it. But a lot of the time, like we had said before, 
the most successful hitters of all time go 300, they're going to fail seven times out of 10. Yeah, and they're really so good. just like, if they hit it, fine, but most of the time it's going to be at a guy or it's going to be a pop-up or a ground out or whatever. So just throw strikes. Yeah, and that's what and they've if, been doing, though. If they jack homers, they jack a homer. Hitting a home run is very hard. Even if it's a fastball at 97 down the middle, it's hard to do that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it for Nebraska right now. No, they are. Shit, man. They're. <laughs> I, I think what's really cool about the pitching at Nebraska right now is they've gotten past exactly what you're talking about, Jaron, is that superhero mentality where that pitcher feels like they've got to do everything. And that doesn't seem to be how they're playing. Like, they know, I've got a defense behind me. Let's just go get this done. Yeah. And it, it's working. And the thing, a lot of people aren't talking about this, but their defense is playing very, very well. Their fielding percentage, I believe, I didn't look, but it seems like they're top 10 in the country. They haven't had an error for like, shit, ever since San Diego, I don't think they've had an error. San Diego. You know, Bryce Matthews is doing his thing, and Max Anderson had his little hit streak. You have guys like Cole Evans, who's like, who? He's went nine (laughs) for for his past 11 at-bats. What's up? Fielding percentage, Nebraska currently ranked number eight in the country. Oh, shit. Number okay, eight. Good call. Okay, my bad. Okay, I'll take it. Pretty that. good. Hey, so we're top oh, yeah. eight. And they are yeah, just, <laughs> just behind Boston College for that seven spot. Yeah. Actually, holy shit. They are they're four one thousandths, four one thousandth of a percent <laughs> away from number one. No shit. Yeah. It, well, it's you know, very building, tight near the top of that. Towards the top of that range. Building percentages. Abilene Christian. Always you know, close. Like, you know, that's, that's Abilene that's Christian, number one. powerhouse. Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> Again, uh, but I, you, you the say Abilene, but it, base, Abilene it, Christian is like not a bad team. Like People just think, oh, Abilene Christian, they're, they're not good at football, so why would they be good? Different sports. But if you look at this top eight, like we're not going to go top ten just because Nebraska's eight, and I don't give a fuck about nine or ten. Um, these are all teams that are perennially good. You got Abilene Christian one. LSU, Kansas, Washington, Ole Miss, Virginia, Boston College, and then Nebraska. Those are teams that are always in that, well, I mean, maybe at the exception of Abilene Christian, in that field of 64. A lot of pressure right now. Look up batting average. I can do that. They have to be around the top 10 because, like we said earlier, they're hitting they're crazy. the piss out of the ball. And it's from number 13. Okay. And, like, a lot of this is from newcomers. And we talked about this earlier is, like, last year, he had a team, he, Will Bolt, had a team that just didn't it didn't seem it was working. God, I'm so fucking sick. L-O- L-O-Bs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Strikeouts looking. L-O-Bs left and right. But this team, they're putting the ball in play. They don't just look at a strike. Ooh. Ooh. And again, without going through the full list of the teams ahead of us, you look, if anyone wants to go look at this list, if you look at the 12 teams ahead of Nebraska, again, teams that perennially are teams that you would expect to see in that late season, like getting close to Omaha, if not in Omaha. Regionals and shit. Yeah, yeah, it's not out of the question to assume a lot of these teams will make it that far. And Nebraska being number eight in fielding percentage, number 13 in batting average, I mean, that's that's a really good sign. And we want to give a quick shout-out to Cole Evans. Yes. Guy is Absolutely raking. I think, did he win a Big Ten yes, offensive he, player? He won his first uh, Big Ten player of the week, uh, going 9 for 11 with an 818 batting average. My fucking <laughs> Two Lord. home runs, three doubles, seven RBIs, four runs scored, uh, a stolen base, one walk. 
and a 2.469 OPS. Can we go ahead and just Ooh. name him our junkyard dog of the week? Yeah, yes. we need to get that. We need to get that drop. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Like I said, if if you're going to these baseball games and it's like 40 degrees out, where's Cole Evans at? I gotta stand by that motherfucker. No shit, he's hotter than fuck. He's hot. He's blistering hot. Uh, so next up, they have UNO. Sorry, not UNO. Omaha. Trev, Trev made it a big deal to make that Omaha's team. We are not UNO. We are Omaha. Why? Why? That, because they're not a real university in Nebraska. Well, well that's, what, that's what Trev wanted when that's he was. weird. We're Omaha, baby. Yeah, but we tit. We tit. We tit. Of course. We, we tit. tit. But I don't, pre, I don't pre-Trev. If you pre, ask Pre-Lincoln Trev, Trev tit. I'm I don't pre-tit. Nah. I don't yeah. pre-tit. You don't Omaha tit? Yeah, I don't Just Omaha tit. tit. So that's tomorrow. Uh, $1 off hot chocolate. Ooh. So <laughs> make your way to Ham Markets. And then they have uh, Nichols. Nichols State. That actually, it used to be Nichols State. But. That get, um, they're moving venues for that. I don't Are know they? if you saw that. Yeah, they're going to play in Kansas instead. Manhattan, Kansas. There it is right there. Yeah. So, and, uh, and that's why I'm a little, I, I'm wondering if the UNO game will get played tomorrow. Because it's all due to weather. It should be I okay had to go, tomorrow, though. I had to go into, like, because I was confused about why they were moving games because of weather. But apparently, I, I believe, what I've gathered, that if it is an on-field temperature of 30 or below, they're just not going to play. So it yeah. kind of comes down to game time for tomorrow, but Nickel State has already been moved. Okay, so that's the next four games. Uh, look, anytime it comes to, like, series, I just want to win the series, so win three out of four. Let's do it. Yeah, Damn you know right. I'm saying? All right, guys. Anything else? I'm good. I'm set. Okay. Yeah, you know where to find us. And be on our podcast. We have merch. Mike made some merch. Handbags. Did you make some merch today? No, I didn't make any merch. Somebody logged yeah, in. Yeah, I, I saw a in, sign bro. in. Okay. I did, but I was just, I was We're just, playing, around. just playing around. Okay. Bro. We got more merch coming, guys. If you like the podcast, you like what you heard, you like former players, all that stuff. Fuck yeah. Buy some merch. Help us out. Or, I mean, and go to at and meet our podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Facebook. If you're watching us on Facebook right now, make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please. We are officially live on YouTube. Yes. Uh, we could use some more love on YouTube, so go follow us on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Sign off? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. Kyle Byers. And Connor Cavillac. As always. <laughs> GBR. <laughs> Sanitize <Stupid>. that microphone. <laughs> We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Hunter. He's a junkyard dog. <laughs> Kenny Bell ran up to me. He's like, you know what you just, what you just did? <laughs> get mad. Would you go get in the portal and go to another podcast? You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> got it, Muhammad. GBR. A Heard at Sports Network production. <laughs>